Hi, welcome to Life Struggles. On this show, we interview or just chat with people who have mental and physical health issues, addictions, relationship problems, and anything else that life may bring you as a struggle. We give hope and our own advice to others from our own achievements. Our goal is for you not to feel alone in your struggle. Our guests range from actors, authors, professionals, and ordinary people like me. At the end of this podcast, if you would please hit our bell, that little bell up there, so that you will be notified of any new episodes that drop. And also, if you would give us a rating, we would deeply appreciate it. And now, please help me in welcoming our next guest. Hi, this is Christy from Life Struggles, and my next guests are Dan and Melinda. And I'm super excited to introduce them. I'm, Dan's got some experience with some drugs, um, but he's got a story behind all of this. And Melinda also is a writer, and she's got to do with the story, too. So please help me welcome both Dan and Melinda. Hi, guys. Hi. Hi, I'm Dan. Hi. Melinda. <laughs> Melinda. Hey. Okay, yeah. Dan. So, t- so tell me how this all started. That, like, I kind of, that I knew about, you know, with experience and people that I knew and, you know, the drug world and, you know, just addictions and recoveries and drugs, just being around it. I wanted to tell a story, so I uh, found out she was a writer. So I like, I think I was like, "Hey, can you uh, you want to write something?" And she was like, "Yeah." So, so were you guys friends to begin with? Well, we uh, we wrote biologically yeah. involved before that. We did. Mm-hmm. So we actually wrote yeah. a whole nother, <laughs> we, So we wrote a whole nother movie. It's like mm-hmm. a rom com. Mm-hmm. First, I oh yeah, I found her from that one first. I was mm-hmm. like, I got this idea for a rom com. And what is so the rom-com? Wrote the, uh, it's, a romantic comedy. So, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, so okay. we wrote um, a feature film called Biologically Involved before that. So then after we finished that screenplay, yeah. he, I don't know, it wasn't that long after this, that, yeah. that. He was like, hey, I have this other idea for a movie. And um, it really piqued my interest. I mean, I have addiction in my family. Um, my husband's 31 years clean and sober. and. Nice. Um, and so the approach to me was very interesting and um I was excited to work with Dan on it so and we had a but great did you guys know each other before not before biologically involved not really no I forget who connected us uh actually Melissa did well she because mm. you wrote her mm-hmm. movie and then she told me you wrote it and then I was like and that's your wife her. correct and it was like no, Melissa no, is another Melissa, filmmaker. She's, she, yeah, okay. she's another uh, local actress, uh, filmmaker here. Mm-hmm. So she hired me to write a screenplay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found out. So then I mm-hmm. stole her. I was like, all right, she's writing, <laughs> writing, writing for me now. So that's how we met, writing mm-hmm. um, Biologically Involved on mm-hmm. that project. And then yeah. we've done a couple of projects together since then. Yeah. So, so mm-hmm. where are you each from? I'm from Michigan, like, Detroit area. Dearborn area? Is that what I understand? De- Detroit metro. It's uh, 
Okay. I know Detroit. Yeah. yeah. I'm okay. from, I'm originally from Northern Michigan, but I've been in um, Livonia just outside of Detroit for 17 years now. No, I've been here for 19 years now. So, years. so you guys know, <laughs> I can tell you're not Northern Michigan because you don't have the accent. Not no. anymore, but I grew up yeah. almost to the Upper Peninsula Whoa. until I until I got married and well, moved were... out. So I I used to have that Northern accent growing up. But... <laughs> I think it's a great accent. I had an accent for a while. Now I lost it. I try to bring it back sometimes because it, you know. <laughs> brings me luck i use it people like it but uh, it's it's funny how like all of us live in different areas and we consider other people having accents but they consider us having accents and everybody yeah. thinks everybody else has the accent who knows what i don't yeah. know what is the real accent but the michigan the- one i picked up because my um, husband that passed away was actually from um the up oh, okay. and you know, their, their words, a after everything. And, and he was mm. French Canadian. So last oh, name was Poirier. Okay. Yeah. So oh. um, yeah, I got <laughs> to go up and meet all the family and be part of the UP. That's beautiful. Nice. Too much snow for me, but right. <laughs> if you like you to snow from? ski. <laughs> yeah. Where are you located now? Chicago area. Oh, great. My business partners um, just outside of Chicago. Really? Um, yeah, she, in fact, um, we've been working together now for a, a year and a half. We started a business, Walker Bryce Creative, um, just before we worked on, started writing the Bernie Mac book. And um, she lives in Chicago. I live here and we've only met in person twice ever. <laughs> but oh we're my goodness. Like, yeah, but we talk on the phone every day, you know, we're, we're tight and we, you know, we've collaborated on multiple projects and that's the world that we live in now, right? We have right. a business partner. I've met in person twice. So. That's right. That's right. Okay. So Dan, why don't yeah. you tell me what kind of experience you have and what really motivated you into this? I have a feeling everybody has some addiction genes in them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I've just, I've known a lot of people that have died from them, from the drugs. Uh, like overdoses? That- yeah, yeah, overdoses. Um, you know, people that just kind of die every now and then. People that I knew, people that I used to party with or whatever, and they just died all of a sudden. Like, oh, I didn't know they were still doing it. Like, like we stopped. I thought, like, you know, we moved on. But some people to keep doing it, and then eventually they're just there's a chance that they're gonna die because the fentanyl too is one of the uh, mm-hmm. one of the things that it kind of you know sounds just you kind of isn't fentanyl the like number one opiate that's the number one that's Mm -hmm. the one that uh i think the deaths are are mostly from fentanyl now Mm -hmm. i think there's like maybe close to a hundred thousand deaths from it uh just in 2021 and then mike do you think that has anything to do with covid like everybody being shut in and shut down and away from people and depressed and kind of going down a rabbit hole huh yeah so i guess the main thing what i wanted to do with this movie was since there's so many people that are going through this i wanted to kind of inspire people or encourage them to to get better to go through the recovery to believe that they can do it that there's hope that there's you know that they don't you know they they have their addiction okay great whatever it doesn't have to be your future 
and like what you what your past is isn't you it's not you right exactly it's a tool that you use to learn and grow and like you had and that's that's what you that's what you do so um and hopefully give people hope yeah that Mm -hmm. they they too can become clean right Mm -hmm. yeah but i think it's important to draw attention to the fact that this film is very gritty it's not like a hallmarky like you can be okay you know what i mean like it's honest so it's not going to show that it's like easy or anything Mm -hmm. to do that and um if I could speak for just a minute about my experience with mental oh, health, absolutely. I have, I have, um, I have two biological children. I have, um, they're 22 and 19. And then I have a daughter that we adopted when she was 12. She was my daughter's best friend. Her mom died of fentanyl. Uh, her mom died of an overdose. She was clean for eight years. She, um, got it, had a surgery that went wrong and got addicted to prescription painkillers And once she could not get those filled anymore, she went back to heroin and she died of, um, of fentanyl when a fentanyl overdose, when, uh, Megan was 12. That's another reason why there's a spike in deaths is because the doctors aren't allowed to prescribe those pain meds anymore. And some people actually do have pain and they're like, I'm not going to live like this. Just get me heroin so I can, you know, Mm -hmm. so like. Right. And then what I understand, sorry to interrupt you, but what I understand is there's a lot of mixing fentanyl with Xanax. Oh, and, I, I, and that causes good. an overdose. Yeah, you're gonna your heart's gonna stop. Uh-huh. Slow down so much mm-hmm. that it's just not beating anymore. Um, it's too much. Did I just hear on the news that someone got caught with some new drug that I thought was fentanyl, but it's in capsules and they call they were calling it skittles and it was a new way to market to kids and they were you know what i just just somebody on my instagram said oh i just do skittles yeah and i was like what i'm gonna look that up smuggle in packs taped to their legs and stuff you know from i don't i don't i didn't read the article my kids were actually telling me about my adult kids were telling me about it and i'm just like what what next i mean they're marketing you know um what should i look up there's a Um, skittles lawsuit a skittles ban um Uh, new skittles drugs skittles uh skittles fentanyl oh skittles is it fentanyl then i oops i spelled it wrong um yes Um, the portland yeah here's the um police warning about skittles fentanyl the portland police bureau narcotics an organized crime unit wants you to be aware of new pills they're finding on the street. In addition to the light blue fentanyl laced 30 milligram pills we're used to finding, we're now seeing pills of various colors mixed together in what is being called Skittles. So it's scary to me to see. What was that on? This, that was on uh, like a news break? Uh, yeah. This is on, uh, I just found that on portland.gov. So you already knew that it was on Portland. If you were no, to, I just got, did a search. You could probably type in "police warning about Skittles fentanyl." Yeah, because that's what the title is. Yeah, so that's probably what you can look up, and you'll see it. You'll find I, mean, I can send you this link too. I'll send it to okay. Dan to you. But yeah. um, it's uh, I had heard it. My kids actually, I believe, heard about it on TikTok. Um, see, or 
Yeah. You, you know, there's a controversy going on about TikTok too, on what we should let our kids see and what we shouldn't and how much control there, because there's pretty much, you can do anything on there now. Mm -hmm. Um but also, I, I listened to another podcast, and they were saying, you know, one thing that you have to remember is that TikTok, even though United States has its part that they own, China still has control of those videos and sees all of them and can do whatever, and they find out information from you from That's there. That's interesting. So, I think TikTok might be tightening up a little bit. I just had... um the audio removed from one of my TikToks. Um, I have a TikTok uh, that we started to promote our book, um, Bernie Mac is Back. And um, it it had audio today that was, I thought was pretty benign. All of a sudden I'm like, I can't hear it. Oh, your audio has been removed because it has violated something. And I'm like, there's no way, there's yeah. no way this audio violated. So I don't know Somebody what they were doing. So from what I understand, like I'm, I'm on TikTok as um as a commercial type, okay, for a business. Right. So I can only use music or words that are for commercial use, licensed for that. So if oh. I do anything else, it'll say you can't do that because you're commercial. Interesting. So okay. it's it goes the other way too. If you're yeah. personal and you try to use music or one of the filters even <laughs> filters from something that's not personal and it's commercial it'll do the same thing interesting yeah okay. but yeah that shocked me when I heard about that and I'm very sensitive to anything to do with um heroin especially just because and fentanyl just because of my do my well she's my daughter now <laughs> my daughter's uh, mother having so did you see the picture of them yeah, they kind of do um, look like Skittles. It must be because of all the different colors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's just scary. You know, Oregon is one place that I would not want to live right now, mm. even though it's beautiful. I don't know. You know, the government is not the best at all. I have family that actually lives there that just is so disappointed in everything that's going on there. And Portland has now moved up to like the third third largest city with crime and drugs wow and they're all saying it's like part of the government you know the governor and all that yeah. stuff and i i i don't live there so i don't make yeah. a judgment about it i'm just telling you what i've been hearing from family yeah. members that live there and mm -hmm. so so that doesn't surprise me that that's coming from portland portland's really not a safe city that's that's what i was going to say was the third largest city that they consider not safe yeah, I wonder if they bumped uh, Detroit out of the top three. <laughs> I, uh, they did Detroit, Detroit. You know, you know who number one is St. Louis. Interesting. I know. I thought it'd be like New York or Chicago. You know, Very that, that's yeah, that's surprising. surprising. I don't even know St. Louis. I I don't think I've been there or know about it. What do they do there? Drugs apparently. Well, oh, drugs apparently. <laughs> well, there's a lot there's just a lot of crime a lot of crime a lot of killings a lot of shooting um a lot of drugs so anyway so let's get back to <laughs> of course. so 
you were telling your experience, and so we we stopped at the the uh, Skittles, right? So uh, no, want- that was just that was just um, you know, and it and whenever Indiana was talking about losing people to drugs, um, and my husband almost You're- lost his own life to drugs thirty one years ago. Um, he's fifty five now. He's been clean and sober for that long, but you know he hit a rock bottom and he almost lost his life due to the drugs. It wasn't an overdose, but it was because of the drugs, you know? Right, so, right. Suicide and like drugs yeah. kind of go together mm-hmm. a lot of times. Yep. And like, the people that are using them, they're kind of suicidal too. Yeah, the suicide rates have gone up along with yeah. drug use. I, I spoke recently with um, a hockey player from Canada that lost five friends in one week from suicide. Five in a week. Yeah. Such a tragedy. And you look up that suicide rate, and it's it's like, and you know, they all say it's COVID rate related, probably because that's where the depression started or when it started. Mm-hmm. But you know, and then it's they take the drugs, whatever they can find, and yeah. illegally. Yeah, yeah. I think and, it's COVID related. It's also the connected to the COVID. We now live in this fear based society where is inciting fear nonstop. Mm -hmm. Our kids are, my kids, I call them kids. My foster daughter's 17 and then my oldest biological child's 22. So they're kids, but they're, they're they're you know, they're they're adults and they are riddled with anxiety. Their friends all have therapy. They're, you know, they, they, um, they're great kids. I will never complain about them. They're amazing. You know, they're good kids. The kids are a wreck. They're an anxious because everything they turn on, they're going to die. Right. Like, right. Right. Like somebody doesn't like them or they got to be careful what they say because they're going to get canceled, you know? And so it's, it's a, it's, we live in this anxiety based society. It's like oppressive really. Mm -hmm. Right. So why not take some drugs to alleviate that? Right. Like, you know, like that, that anxiety and that, and that's what's escaping. It's escaping the the reality. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like a matrix. It's like the matrix. Mm-hmm. The media has created and it's like a matrix for people to live by. Like this, what they tell you is what they want you to know. And what you know is what they wanted you to know. Mm-hmm. So, and it's all just manipulation, and propaganda, and it's fear. It's all about fear-based. Mm-hmm. They even, I think fear. some of the CEOs on the mainstream medias got caught. On, on a hidden camera saying that they focus on fear and they mm-hmm. exaggerate, you know, things and stuff like that. Cause that's better ratings, right? Fear sells. So yeah, fear sells. I doesn't sell to me though. I don't know. Right. I'm, that's why I'm trying to like tell people, yeah. turn it off. Yeah. Don't watch it. And it's all fake. And, and you know, it's what is sad is because we used to be able and, and our parents would encourage us to watch the news so we knew what was oh. going on in our world. And now oh, I'm like, don't watch the news. Don't watch no. the news. I, you know, even, you know, I listen to NPR. So I, I do listen to NPR. What is that? National Public Radio, NPR. NPR yeah. But even NPR has got its own slant. And, you know, that's supposed to be non-biased. And you listen to BBC and, you know, you try and get the least biased source. But I, I try and tell my kids, dig deeper if you hear something go check you know Mm -hmm. but even if you're double checking on online sources that doesn't mean yeah those could also be fake right or or just proof for anything you want right you can find proof you can prove anything to yourself 
-hmm. just by like if you want you can type in anything and there will be mm -hmm. you know evidence suggesting that what's it's true. really is sad is you can you're right you can type in anything and there's kids typing in how to commit suicide mm -hmm. yeah in the least painful way how, yeah. how to get drugs i mean everything yeah mm -hmm. so and, that's know, scary yeah. it's scary yeah. and i think the mo i think to me the most important thing especially you know at all of for my kids are still home, you know, um, having a close connection to them is my number one defense against them falling, uh, you know, falling prey to that mentality. Well, thank to the you for saying that because that's something that I try to instill is, as, as adults are listening to these podcasts to please take what we're saying and use it for your kids it's so important to you know it's okay to snoop you know if they yeah. have phones who's paying for them well well, well my kids pay right? for their own but <laughs> well as an yeah, adult they're, they're, paying, they're, paying their bills, they're paying their phone right. bills with their tiktok videos now they're making Stop, they are not. <laughs> but some of them are but you're absolutely right they still live under my roof and um and also just but so see, you have that you have that yeah. power if if you're mm -hmm. supporting them or they're living mm -hmm. even if you're not supporting them they're just living with you I mean, yeah. you're kind of supporting them but you yeah. have a right to say this is what's allowed in my house and this isn't yeah and you have a right to you know i mean my son and he doesn't you know my youngest he doesn't do anything wrong but you know if i want to pick up his phone and see what's going on i'm mm -hmm. paying for it mm -hmm. i do it and yeah. my kids know that i do it not not because i i want control over them but because mm -hmm. i want to be careful mm -hmm. and teach them what's you know what they should be watching what they shouldn't be and and what it can do to them yeah um, yeah. And and now they know that I care, you know, yeah. they're like, you know what, I've got friends that their parents would never do that. And we talk to them and they feel like their parents don't care anymore. Yeah. yeah. It's important to just stay engaged. And my kids tell me everything they'll, t you know, and I, I feel blessed because they, they know I'm not going to use it against them. If they need to tell right. me something, if they need to, I've had um, my son come to me once a couple of years ago and say, mom my friend is suicidal. My friend is talking to me, he's suicidal. Okay. I'm calling his mom. It's two in the See, morning. I'm calling thing. his mom. Um, and, and I think, and I think it's important even for people without children to check in on their friends. What are their friends watching? What are they posting on their social media? People are alone. People are lonely, you know? And, and I think it's important that we not ignore signs of, of, uh, not that we should be watchdogging, our social media, but if you have a friend you haven't seen in a while, or if they're saying things that are offbeat, I have picked up the phone and called and been like, Hey, you know, everything going okay. You, you doing good, you know? And, and my husband, um, being clean and sober for 31 years, he always is like, Hey, if you need somebody, my phone is on 24 seven. I think kids have been trained a little bit more to reach out if they need it. It's kind of like this generation of, um, kids who are kind of, I don't know, the kids help each other. I think it's great. You know, they, they're like that. The kids are like that. But I think, especially my husband's generation, I'm a little bit younger than him. He's 55. Those guys, his friends, they're not gonna, they're not gonna reach out for help. You know, not always. 
Yeah. And and so it's he makes it clear, like, yeah. dude, call me well, that's, if you need that's it. That's another reason why most suicides are male. Mm. Males, I think, make up they commit suicide like ten, five or ten times more than because women. they don't talk as much. They well, and it's probably a lot of reasons. Sure. There's a lot of, we have a lot of expectations on us, and if we don't meet those expectations, we're just trash to the world. You know. Mm-hmm. No value. What it means we... to be a man or something. Yeah, yeah. So, not... Dan, are you are you a father yet? No, not that I know of. I don't know. <laughs> I I have no idea how old you are, and I don't expect you to tell me. But men men tend to one think they have to fix everything. I think that's number one, and mm-hmm. that's that's the way they've been raised. Um, I oh, I try not. <laughs> what? Someone's got to do it. <laughs> Everything's got to be. You fixed. know, that's funny you say that because I have, I'm a middle child and I have had to help raise the other siblings and, and I don't complain about this and I don't feel like I was traumatized as a child because for an hour I was home with my younger siblings until my parents got home from work. I have a lot of people that say they felt traumatized because their parents weren't home when they, you know, got home from school. And I'm like, really? Like mm. an hour. That would have been awesome. Yeah. Like, I oh. mean, I was, I was 12 and 13, you know, and yeah. they were like seven and five, yeah. you know, so, but I was old enough for an hour to give them a snack and stay with them until my parents got home. And I really don't feel traumatized whatsoever. It's really funny. My dad always said that um, kids used to be an asset and now they're a liability. And and what he, (laughs) right. What he meant was that when he was growing up, so I was raised um, by a single dad, you know, my parents divorced when I was young and um, he had a lot of knowledge that he instilled into me. (laughs) And he was very hardworking and everything, but he grew up with eight brothers and sisters and he said back then, you know, people had kids, they helped, they, 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 cause they needed the kids to, to work on the farm, right? Somebody had to gather the eggs. Yeah. Somebody had Everybody's to chill. They all had responsibilities. And we've gotten to this point where it's completely flipped. We don't ask our kids to do anything, Nothing. right? We don't no. ask. And, and then if the kids do have to, they, they feel like they were traumatized. Right. <laughs> and so it's, it doesn't make sense to me. Now I always taught my, you know, my kids, I think anybody, not just kids, any human being wants to feel like they're important. They're an important part of something, right? Mm -hmm. That they're needed, that they, that they serve a purpose. And if you're great, if your kid's job is to go to school and get good grades, great, but they also serve a purpose inside the home and inside the family and inside the greater community, the neighborhood, you know, everything. So it's always been my thing is that my kids they take ever since they could, they've done their own laundry ever since. And it's not because I couldn't do it. Well, they it's should because, be taught that stuff. It's, right? it's stuff that they're going to need to know when they right. would, you know, well, live out on their own. Live in a right. uh, enabling society now. People just are too nice. Right. Exactly. And they're just being nice and they're worried about offending people. So they're just nice. And then they just enable people to, you know, do Give things them. that are wrong, mm-hmm. hurt themselves, hurt other people. Mm-hmm. They're just, you know, right. you got to say this wrong. Mm-hmm. Don't do that. Stop. Right. That's stupid. Mm-hmm. You right. got to be mean. I mean, not mean, but like you just have firm. to not be nice. You have to be firm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You have to, you have to be honest. You have, yeah. to, you have to talk about the truth, you mm-hmm. know? And I think one of the other things that goes along with that is when 
people don't feel like they're needed. They don't feel like they're a part of something greater that, that, that they have a purpose. Mm -hmm. They feel lost, useless, depressed. They turn to drugs, right? Because they don't have any feeling. They don't have any, anything. Right. So people need to feel like they're, and I think that's where circling completely back to COVID people were isolated. They're door dashing their food. They're, you know, like they're just sitting there and they, a lot, many people weren't working because their jobs were closed. For a lot of people, their job is their sense of purpose. Mm-hmm. So they lost that. So right. now you're sitting here, street, you know, binge watching Netflix. You have no sense of purpose. Right. Right. That's what keeps addictions going on and on and on. That's why people keep relapsing because they haven't found their purpose. They haven't found their calling yet. So that, that's, what, that's what you need. You need yeah. a purpose. You need a mm-hmm. calling. Mm-hmm. You need goals, mm-hmm. and that's what you need. If you don't have those things, mm-hmm. then the only thing that you can you need to escape because mm-hmm. you're not you're not fulfilled. You're not you know you're not living. You're mm-hmm. just existing, and it's, it sucks. Mm-hmm. And so you take the drugs, and then your life gets worse <laughs> because you took the drugs, and then you need them even more because you ruined your life. Yeah. So now you got to escape that, and you're just digging yourself this hole. So you just mm-hmm. have to you, you can't lose sight of you know you have to you have to you know see the light you have Mm -hmm. to keep your eye on it you have to know that you know you're gonna get out of this cave that you're in this hole that you're in there's a way out you know that there's something better for you you know you deserve it you know you just got to visualize it and you just have to start you know there's youtube videos watch youtube videos (laughs) about 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 um you know motivational things or overcoming things like your podcast would probably be like amazing for that there's a lot of self-help uh you know books audibles just things to help you kind of you know kind of make your life better that's what you're yeah. trying to do i think it's getting so from I think, point. um one of the things i want to share is I, I think it's really important that as parents as friends whatever that we encourage positivity because there's mm-hmm. so much negativeness. Um, right. I was so proud of my youngest when, and so there's, there's good things that came out of COVID too. And I sure. do want to say that because there's a lot of bad, but there's also some good. And I think that's the things that we need to yep. start pushing out. There is a good thing. So like when you mentioned um, DoorDash, mm-hmm. I would never have known about DoorDash mm-hmm. or you, it, if it hadn't been for COVID now, when I'm at my office alone and I can't leave it because my, I've, I've got an Arabella's boutique, which is, I have to work it. Can't get mm-hmm. workers to stay anymore. Ew. Nobody wants to work. Right. Yeah. So um, I, I, I mean, I can't just lock my doors and go get me something to eat. Yeah. So I call them to do, to bring me groceries. Now I I'm a health food person. So I don't, you know, get like McDonald's except for the cookies if I have to attack. <laughs> but other than that, you won't see me go through fast food. Um, you know, but but I do call, you know, at, from the grocery stores, I use those yeah. um, different apps. Instacart, I think, is one of them. Yeah, yeah. 
and, and, you know, and I have them bring me stuff to make salads and, you know, turkey bacon and hard boiled eggs and stuff like that. Um, So that's a good thing that came out of it. But what I wanted to say was, um, so my, my youngest was 17, I believe that at the time that COVID started and a basketball player and they, they were going into regionals and they got stopped. Yeah. Well, yeah. got st- and and they they were up there to win the regionals. And then of course they didn't even have state. But yeah. school stopped. Okay. Yeah. Um everything stopped. He didn't he didn't get to have a graduation. He yeah. didn't, you know, the scholarships that he got. I have films of it. They like came to our house and spread out six people that were given out scholarships and just called his name. And then they'd walk up to the porch and lay it down. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that was his congratulation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there was so much that he missed mm-hmm. and he found a way. And I, I truly believe that this is how you raise or the impact that you have on people around you. So that's why I say, whether you have children or friends, the positivity. So, I mean, it was going to be boring, right? And even his first year of college, there was, you couldn't go on campus. You know, there was no campus classes. So it was going to have to be on the internet. So again, you're isolated from people. Mm -hmm. Um, But he, like, he didn't have a gym to work out anymore. So he ordered, he ordered cases of water, Mm-hmm. And he took the cases of water and he used them to lift. <laughs> That's great. <Okay. laughs> um, he took uh, five gallon empty buckets of mud that his dad used in his business. And he filled those with water to lift this way. He made, he made bars. He, he did all this stuff in the garage mm-hmm. to, to give him something to do. You yeah. know, so he worked out like three hours a day. Um, so that was part of his day, right? That's only three hours though. Um, that's when TikTok got big and he and his friends all had Apple phones. So one of them was tech enough that he figured out how he could get all, all five of them on through the um, FaceTime. Sure. And, and they got, they made these TikToks together and that's, and they played games together. I mean, they just, you know, they, they found their ways that they still had communication. Yeah. Um, and they made a pact with each other that, Hey, if you're, if you're feeling bad or you feel lonely or something, give me a call, you know, yeah. let's FaceTime because and I think that FaceTime is really good because, you know, yeah. you still feel like then you're seeing somebody you have more social you know, so yeah, that was all positive stuff. And if you ask him, he'll tell you like the things that he did, but he never felt negativity in there. Made affirmation notes all over the place. Yeah, yeah. You know, so um, yeah, that's, that's all about Yeah, and I'm I'm like a big believer in everything happens for you, nothing happens to you. Um, everything happens for you to learn something from, to grow from, to have an experience. And um, I think whenever my family, when, when we were locked down, there were certainly things, my girls, I think they must be the same graduating year as your son because they had their yeah. senior year during COVID and both of them chose to take a gap year. And after- what did they choose to do? Take a gap year. So they took a year off. They didn't go to college because of COVID. They didn't want to do virtual school. 
So, um, and I totally was fine with online, anything needed content. So every, you know, that people were looking for scripts, people were looking for um, animation scripts, people were looking for website content um, in Kindle books, you know, like it, it just kind of blew up. Right. And people mm -hmm. were starting podcasts and, you know, like people mm -hmm. were doing different things. And, and I think one of the things that it did do for people was it kind of pushed people to go, oh, wait, I can do that in creative endeavor that I've always wanted to do. Now I have some time. I'm just going to. And then the other thing it did, I think, for me and my family is that we kind of reassessed what was important to us. And I think we are a family that was always very, very busy. You know, we always would do everything, every event we were at, every you know, friend that had a, um, you know, a gathering, we just had to go to it. You know, we would sometimes be booked for two or three things in one day. We'd start out in the morning going somewhere. Then it was, you know, but with, you know, with this many kids, you know, <laughs> and everything, right. you know, always running around. But when we kind of had to lock in closer and then we could start to branch out our circle a little bit, it was really interesting for us to sit and choose the most important things. It was a really interesting experience for See, me. For us, some, and, and, and some, a lot of families have flowed mid to it. We started having time to eat together where we didn't before because everybody had so many different activities, you know, or if, if you, there was good movies on, you watched them together instead of separate and separate times, you know, because everybody was home. So you have to look at those positive things too. That's a different experience. As a single right. person being locked down is a completely different experience. So that's what I was going to ask yeah. you, Dan. So what what was your experience? I wasn't single. You weren't single during <laughs> yeah. lockdown. That's no, right. that's why it's probably the only reason I survived it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, I, did, I so, forgot that. Yeah. So did you and your wife do a lot of, or were you married or? or no, no. But you not. were with her. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so she, did you guys like start doing stuff together though a lot more? Oh, I mean, it's for us. It was it's like there was no COVID. It, didn't, it wasn't a thing. We just lived. We lived. We didn't change anything. I didn't change anything. I just did the, the same thing I was doing. Um, just well, what more. What did you do? Um, just writing stuff. You but know, um, working from working home. Then you don't change home. much. Yeah. yeah, working at home because I'm self-employed already, and I had some money saved up, so it wasn't that bad. See, I'm asking that because Justin Bieber would come on Instagram live so much and he like, because he and Haley were, you know, they, when they got stuck at home, were on their island home. So they were, had nobody like, um, okay. And he made, he, like, he made things in their house for him to do he made all these trails in his house <laughs> tracks <laughs> to do a skateboarding oh, over yeah. the couch and all this stuff and um they they had a private lake so he taught her how to canoe and you know made up some new songs and but they that was the first time that they really got to spend a lot of time even more time getting to know each other deeply mm -hmm. where they didn't have other you know couldn't they couldn't do other commitments and so he got on live a lot, which I appreciate encouraging people, like showing people what he was doing and encouraging people to make something positive out of this instead of something negative. So 
that's why I was asking you, like, was there stuff that extra that you did to? I don't know. It was kind of a blur. I, I think, yeah, I mean, just did outside stuff. A lot of people did I that. No, I we watched a lot of stuff. We went to like a bunch of different TV series. Um, did you? Which was- yeah, which were good. But did you guys watch them together, or were you in separate yeah. rooms? You know, I, no, I guess that's them. what I'm getting at. We watched them together. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we, we didn't separate. You know, we we didn't stay away from our families or anything. We uh, neither of us did. We we, we weren't afraid of COVID. Um, I think know. they wanted us to be though. They wanted us to be afraid of it. Yeah. Which I'm not saying that you shouldn't respect respect it. Okay. So, so I don't want anybody to take me wrong. Yeah, I, th- yeah, I think yeah. we should respect it, but the fear right. of yeah. everything, I I think made it, it was so amplified. Much it was very amplified the fear. And um, honestly, it was it was there was a political division. All it did was exacerbate that. You know, I think correct. It it was a frenzy. I mean, the, there was no toilet paper at the store, and there was a run on bidets, and like it. I mean, it's it's it, you know to me. It went right back to Y2K. You know what I mean? Right. Like, what? The world's not, didn't end then. It's not ending now. And everybody can just suck it up a little bit and we'll get through this. Like, it's not that big of a, you know, like it is a big deal. And I don't want to belittle that because I do actually know someone who died from COVID. And also my son has an autoimmune disease. He got COVID. He went to the hospital. Right. And that's um, what I was going to say. So for those that had, you know, auto autoimmune diseases, um, People that were overweight, unhealthy, mm-hmm. unhealthy, overweight, okay? Yeah. Um, diabetes, people that had diabetes, people yeah. that had asthma, you know, yeah. things like that. Yes, it was dangerous yeah. for us. So oh, you, yeah. you needed to be yeah. careful. Oh, yeah. But if you followed what you should, more than likely you were okay. Yeah. Right. You know? Right. And it's so, my Ben works in, he, he was an essential worker. He has a company that supplies products to uh, military bases and hospitals, mm-hmm. um, his company. And so he never stopped working. Like he had, he had to go to work um, and they had to keep making their products and getting right. them out there. And it was a different experience entirely for him than for a lot of people right. because right. continuing to work they actually shifted and started making sanitizers and things like that like they they did have to shift and they did see a downswing sales and revenue just because um while they were still supplying hospitals and military bases their clients that were auto plants were no longer needing their products it was an interesting thing to see that from my perspective with the kids staying home and having you know, that transition and then seeing his perspective, which was still going to work and coming back, you know. So Dan, when did you come up with the idea to um, have this story told? A long time ago, when I first started acting, I just felt like this would be a great story that I wanted to tell. And that was a long time ago. Like my first class, I told people about it, what I wanted to do. And then eventually it just happened, but it took took a while and I you know kind of had it in my mind for a long time too so it kind of built up and then the, you know the story and then you know Melinda's so real you, did you like stuff. write stuff down like keep a journal and then have her complete it or uh, how did you talked yeah we we uh we talked you know I told her you know the story that I wanted to tell and she she pretty much just wrote it 
<laughs> but we talked, we would, I remember we would meet in coffee shops we when meet. we could, and we'd have to wear a mask and we'd go into the coffee shop yeah. and wear a look. Uh-huh. At the end, right? Because we were, or was that a different project during COVID? I, no, because we shot this before COVID. No. No, no we didn't. It was, at, yeah. yeah. We shot the movie during yeah, the COVID. Yeah, because Ron Franya was the COVID officer yeah. for that. Yeah. yeah, and you'd have to shuttle. Um, so we would powwow, you know, we would talk on the phone. We basically hashed out the main story idea. And then we worked on character development. You know, what? what is the background for this character? What is background for that one? What is that one? So that's kind of the basis of writing a film. Like first you want to really um, flesh out all your characters. So, you know, when you come to a point, which way, what would they do? You know your character really well. So we did that. And then... Um, so then who directed you know? it? Uh, there was a couple of directors. There was me and then there was another one. So is is that something that you, you do? Is that part of what you uh, make your living from? No, that's, well, it might be in the future, yeah. I mean, is that what you... Yeah, I'm, I'm more focused on acting. So, like, and as an actor, that's where I make my money. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not really trying to be a director, but since, you know, we, we wrote it, produced it, like, you know, I got to direct it, like, a little mm-hmm. bit, you know? So, yeah, that's how it went. But, so yeah, so... taking acting lessons? I've taken, yeah, I spent, like, three or four years in acting classes. Um, I haven't been to one since COVID. Which... So, it's interesting, because that's kind of one of the... So, my daughter's an actress, and um, she actually has a role in, in If Nothing Changes, um but during covid all the anything that was audition was zoom um her her acting coach is also in la and so she always did zoom so then you know she was doing continuing to continue mm-hmm. that um but one thing that she realized when she um graduated high school she um had saved up all her money and she went and spent a month in la last september she went and spent a month living in Glendale and going, actually going in person to her acting classes, which she loved. And then the the plan was always just, she was going to stay for one month and get the feel for it. And she was cast in three, three projects out there, a big studio project. And she had a blast. And then she came home and she was like, well, I'm not going to move out there yet. It's so expensive. Everything is zoom. All the first rounds are zoom. Second rounds are sometimes zoom um table reads are zoom you know so i think that's one interesting shift that the industry took was that people no longer had to live in la to mm-hmm. to get looked at for these roles right. exactly um, now does she love the vibe of la and does she want to totally be out there of yes course. she does. but for now <laughs> saving her money and living here just outbalances that you know like oh i can just fly out there if I get you know fourth fifth round you know of auditions I can just fly out there saving money in the long run and I noticed too there was a shift writers rooms right so people who are in writers rooms for sitcoms that all switched to zoom and there was some big conversation recently about people being upset that it switched back to in person mostly because they didn't want to do that drive outside of LA they had moved away during COVID and you know didn't really want to move back and so I think some people were wanting the WGA to regulate that. And they're like, no, that's not ever going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Because you know? there's a I don't feeling about will ever be back to a norm. No. Whatever that was. No. I, I think everything will probably stay changed, if not get worse. But um, we're going to deal with it anyway. So please let's go back to your film then. <laughs> um, 
we, we did talk about what, what gave you the incentive, but not really the characters and what they went through. Like what is, what, tell me more about the film. Okay. Well, we wanted to like, you know, portray these characters as, you know, just like normal people, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of movies try to make drug addicts look like, <laughs> but like most of the time, they're seemingly normal and you wouldn't tell, you wouldn't even know that they were a drug addict unless you found out somehow or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so they, they're good at hiding it. You know what I mean? So they act normal. So we wanted to portray that like a realistic thing. And, you know, and these, these two addicted, uh, this couple that's addicted, they, you know, they think that they're cool. Like they think that it's cool and it's, you know, no worries and, you know, uh, whatever, but it's not cool. <laughs> they think it's cool, but like, it's, it's not cool. It's, it's not. So, yeah. uh, there's consequences. And so, you know, we, we showed like, you know, why, why these characters are addicted, you know, mm-hmm. kind of show them and like enjoying it you know and thinking but that do you go cool. to like a something that was a like a gateway gateway drug like how it started or we start uh, in the middle we start at the we start close start, to their rock bottom yeah right so okay. we don't get into that too much the mm-hmm. this the well and we have the short version of the film we wrote a feature version and now it's moving more toward a series things yeah. things change and they morph and yeah. you feel like you know the story would be better told this way or that way but so this, do you see yourself like in if you do get to do a series like maybe going back to the beginning like you know how a lot of films will they'll they'll have parts where it goes back so that you know how things began it goes kind of goes back and forth to the past and the future Definitely would would have that in there. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. It might just be like flashbacks or something, mm-hmm. you know, on Earth. Because I, I think it's really important for people to know how things begin. Sure. Mm-hmm. Because that, that way they know how not to let those things begin. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So Does the, that make the, sense? Yeah, yeah. The couple that's addicted, they're they're not like, you know, 10 years in on the street like yeah okay. you know they're still like functioning you know they're they're relative they're young and like they're mm-hmm. kind of just they you know they think that they're cool mm-hmm. um but they're yeah. also drowning some things i mean one of them is from a middle class family you you mm-hmm. see a glimpse in it of the trouble kind of the parents the way they deal with him the girl comes from a wealthy family you can see a glimpse into the dinner table of their life Mm -hmm. um just because they so this young couple yes they're having fun they're enjoying it but they also live in a crappy motel you know what i mean and they also don't have jobs and they also just you know they also are codependent Mm -hmm. and you know so we're seeing all this they you get to that point where they realize they don't really have any friends anymore Right. You know, because they've used up every um, favor, they've yeah, used yeah. up every mm-hmm. relationship. They screwed, every, they screwed everybody that they could yeah. over already. There's nobody yeah. left okay. to screw over. Yeah. So. so then they really kind of hit a rock bottom. Um, you know, they've got their dealer after them, you know, because they, you know, they screwed <laughs> him out of some stuff. Yeah. And so um, it just, they hit this rock bottom. There's a really startling twist um, to it where the, the lead character, Nate, played by Dan um really has to sit and come to terms with 
you know, yeah. either I need to clean up or people I love could die. I could die, you know, like, the, like he really has the dark night of the soul. Right. And, and where he has that, his girlfriend isn't there yet. Right. So it, it, okay. it shows two sides of that. And um, I'm not going to give away any, any, any more, but, um, but I think it's important to show that. And I know like one of the things my husband always said, you know, in recovery is you have to cut off everyone, everyone that's, while you're in, in recovery. That's the thing that you can't be around it. If mm -hmm. it's around you, you're going to do it. Yeah. If it's at your house, if you have mm -hmm. the bag, if you have, mm -hmm. you know, anything, you're going to do it. You're going to do it. Mm -hmm. You're doing it. If you're at someone's house and got it, you're doing it. Or if you're around your enablers, or if you're around the people that trigger you. You know, that. that's, this is all amazing to me because um, I, I have interviewed so many uh, addicts in the past six months. And just, just recently one like had a totally different perspective of everything. Mm -hmm. And, and the one before that was a, his name was Dr. Rob. And he actually studies the brain. He's a scientist and he studies the brain um, and, and sees the, the damage and all the stuff that goes on with drugs. Like a lot of people say, well, there's not any brain damage, like with alcohol, there's no brain damage. It damages yeah. your liver, but not your brain, yeah, you know, right. and all that stuff. And but so, but everything's he's mental. Studied, you're damaging your yeah, everything's really mental. It's all up in here. So you're damaging you're Your still mind. damaging stuff. Yeah. Um, but this, the certain one I was talking about when we were talking about the 12 steps and stuff. And I was saying that like in LA, it's really big now to have dry bars. And mm -hmm. so they have the bar scene where, you know, you can play pool, you can play darts, there can be bands, uh, but there's no liquor. Interesting. There, and yeah. oh yeah there was like, one in ann arbor yeah 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 yep. and i'm like you know that's i think that's kind of a good idea mm -hmm. i said so they still have because sometimes they're just you know they start out attracted to that atmosphere so okay. anyway yeah these dry <laughs> bars and i was i was telling them about you know i thought maybe that might be something i might open around here mm -hmm. and you know asking his opinion if that would appeal to him and he said I said, the only thing that I was thinking was the scientist had told me, okay, so I guess then I have to tell you one of my addictions was smoking, but mm -hmm. I didn't think it was smoking because mm -hmm. I, I only did it socially. Mm -hmm. I never, I didn't go out and buy them. I didn't smoke on a daily basis. I would never go out in the cold on a break and just stay in there and have a cigarette. I only did if somebody came over to visit outside of my porch and they were smoking and say, Hey, do you want to have one? So to me, I didn't have an addiction. Like I could go three weeks and not see somebody, you know, to sit down and smoke with, and I, I wouldn't smoke and it didn't bother me. So to me, that wasn't an addiction. That was more of a social thing. Mm -hmm. um, but my mother ended up dying from lung cancer. And when she was dying, she said to me, promise me, that you won't ever smoke again. Mm. When when your mom's dying and those are part of her last words, I, I mean, to me, it was important that I do that, you know, mm. that I honor her request. 
And so I knew, I knew though, that the only time that I did that was in this situation. Okay. So the first thing I did was the two people that I smoked with socially, I said, uh, you know, for about three months, I'm not going to be able to sit down and talk to you because I don't want to smoke. And that's when I do. Yeah. They were kind of mad at me. Like they didn't understand why they, they were like, well, then you're punishing us. Well, you know, sorry, I wasn't trying to punish them. I was trying to make sure that I took myself out of that situation. Okay. So I took myself out of that situation. Three months went by. I was fine. Long story short, a year and a half later in the middle of the night, I woke up. Now I'm an adult. (laughs) I can make a choice whether I want to smoke or not, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. But I had the urge for a cigarette and I thought, well, this is stupid. Why, why did, where'd this come from? But but the story is that I snuck out of my house. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I kept all the lights off. I got into my car. I, I lived far enough away where I'd have to drive to go get some. And I didn't want anybody to wake up and know what I was doing. So I didn't start my car in the driveway. I actually put it in neutral and pushed oh, it out of the God. driveway. Is that not an addiction? Yeah. Oh, I, definitely. I get it out into the street and then I went, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> right. Seriously. Right. I'm addicted and I, I am not going to let this control me. So I started the car back up and pulled it right back in the driveway. And I've never had that again. Mm-hmm. I asked the scientist, I'm like, where did that come from? Like just out. Of, and I've never had, I hate the smell of smoke. Hate it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, don't even like walking by somebody outside that's smoking. I said, where did that come from? This is very interesting. He said, something, something has to trigger that. And more than likely, you either watched a movie where somebody was smoking before you went to bed, or you had a dream about sometime when you and your friends were sitting around talking. And that right there can trigger. Yeah. So he yeah. believes that by going into a scene so I, I, I don't know if you were still here when I was telling him about um, the setting that scene of the dry bar. Yes. So this, mm-hmm. this other guy that I was talking to said that that would probably be fun for a lot of people that were addicts that, you know, like that kind of scene. But this doctor mm-hmm. disagrees saying that even though they don't have alcohol there, that can still trigger all the things, even if there's no alcohol there. So they would leave that place and go to another place that did. Mm. So what are your feelings on that? Yeah, I mean, you you kind of build these habits that so you drink when you do this, you drink when you do that, and then you stop drinking, but then you do that activity again, and now you it just reminds you of like, you know, I was better at this when mm-hmm. I was drunk, you know, mm-hmm. like pool, you know, like pool playing. That's that, and that's what I was wondering, you know, I just like to get different opinions on that. Um, I thought well, it was really interesting. I think that the dry bars are interesting for young people who maybe don't ever want to start drinking. Um, yeah. And I think those exactly. are pretty cool. You know, I have young well, adults I, in, in I, my house and they would totally love those. And I mean, like they can go to the dry bar and then just mm-hmm. build new habits. Right. So like they'll just... Right. Play sober, play the pool, do that, keep doing that, 
right. and then it's a habit and then you're eventually you're not going to be like oh i don't need alcohol for this i thought i did before but i don't i'm doing yeah. it now i'm doing it without right. it but i could see where it could be triggering like for example i had a friend that we used to always um get together for coffee right mm-hmm. so she'd come over to my house and we'd have coffee and i do have a problem with not necessarily sweets but carbohydrates in general so you know sure. um she'd come over for coffee we'd sit for two hours we'd have coffee we'd have cookies you know we'd have snacks or whatever and then finally um one of us was like you know we don't just have to have coffee maybe we should go for a walk when we get together so we started doing that we still talked we would walk for an hour we both lost weight we both felt better we would come back drink a bottle of water and we still got the same um bonding experience but we didn't have that, you know, coffee cookie like routine that was part of that. But, but you know, I I want so I think that's great. Did you get headaches though from not having as much caffeine? Um, I still drank coffee all day long. It was just the okay. sitting and eating because like if because I quit coffee and yeah. oh my gosh, the headaches yeah. were unbelievable. Talk about withdrawal. Yeah. So I don't. It's kind of funny for me because I don't really like. I, I tell my husband, I'm coffee is my only vice um, because I'm, I don't, you I know, mean, as long as it's not hurting your heart. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually really low blood pressure. So that, I don't know if that's good or, you know, but I definitely don't drink as much as I used to. I used to be a school administrator and I drank coffee and I had a toddler at home and I, you know, I drank a lot of coffee. Now I, I see for me and, and this could have to do with addiction too it's about environment more than it is about willpower so you set your environment up for success and for me that is the most important thing so when I get up I I do have my cup of coffee but I immediately I have this big um mason jar and I water yep I fill it with ice water and I usually throw like some mint and cucumber in there and if I have them both out I'm gonna switch between the two but if I never pour that water I will drink and I'll get another cup of coffee, you know, right. so it's about right. setting up your environment, which I yeah. think is the same thing about like, yeah. you know, isolating yourself from the triggers, from the people, yeah. from the, you know, from access yeah. to. Yeah. Don't have um, access to it. Don't get it. Stuff. Don't, don't be around yeah. it. Don't have it around. Oh, so are, are any of those kind of things in your film? A little yeah. bit. Yeah. 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 Right. Towards, yeah. Towards the end. Right. Definitely. So the one character ends up with a really unconventional way to um, to start his. We sort of end at the beginning, don't we? Like we end at the beginning of their of their potential shift in their life. So um, we could see a glimpse of where maybe the main character Nate's going to go. We see a glimpse of maybe where his girlfriend Trish is going to go. Um, there's no resolution. This is a short film version of what's going to be a much longer story. So, um, so we do see some of that mm-hmm. in there and yeah. how it affects also their families. We see some of that too. Yeah. Okay. A lot of that. So we're going to run out of time here. Um, when is this going to come out? Do you think? Uh, so we're, um, we're going to be sending it out to film festivals. So we're going to be posting, you know, what days and times and locations that it's going to be playing for, you know, whichever film festivals it gets into. Um, so, you, you know, hopefully people will be able to catch it there because we're probably not going to put it online for a while or anything. 
because we're uh, I'm also going to be uh, trying to pitch it for it as a series as well as a pilot. So I'm taking it to the American film market and, uh, you know, we're going to make a series out of it. So does that, uh, I mean, does, you're not coming up with the time frame there. Does it, is that something that takes a long time and, and what, what the whole world's going through? Is that going to affect it's that? Gonna be, it'll be viewable in some film festivals like throughout this year and the next year. So sometime within so the next couple of months. Within the next couple festival. of months, there should be some, it should but be awesome. During that interim, are you going to be working on a series or are you think, thinking about it still? Working on a series. Working oh, on a series. Yeah, yeah, we're going to yeah. be, uh, we're, yeah, we're going to be working on it, writing it, um, putting it together, getting it ready. Um, you know, for the whole season, all the episodes and stuff. Putting like together that. the pitch, the yeah. series bible, yeah. Um, yeah. all of that, all of that fun stuff that takes a lot of time and energy, but yeah. but um, but definitely yeah. worth it. And I think AFM is in November. Yeah, it's in November. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm sorry. What'd you say? But yeah, the AFM is in November. So um, we'll see what happens there. And yeah, so we're just we're gonna make a series out of it. It's gonna be great. <laughs> You know, I, I I really applaud you guys. Um, I don't know how many movies I've watched out there. I mean, there's there's so many now. You know, there's mm-hmm. so many that have bisexuals and lesbians and gay people. I think they went back to, they call them queers now again. Yeah. Where years ago, that was like the worst thing you could call them. I'm getting so confused on what to call who. And they they say they now instead of him or her mm-hmm. it's they i'm i'm learning all this stuff mm-hmm. i'm trying to remember all of it too yeah. uh, but a lot of a lot of movies have really really pushed that out there mm-hmm. and i have i have started seeing some with drug problems like totally about that too mm-hmm. just a yeah. few though <laughs> So mm-hmm. I think your timing might be good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I yeah, yeah, no drug drug yeah. drug addiction gets to everybody. Yeah, and everybody, I, and there's you know, there's nobody's yeah. you know, excluded yeah. where, from. It. Where did you come up with the title? Uh, so at first, the title was called Millionaires Club <laughs> because um, you know, we actually wrote a feature film first. It was called Millionaires Club. And we called it that because that was going to be the name of the drug house, like the, the trap, trap house. house, you know, like because it cost millions of dollars to use drugs. No, because they they <laughs> use they they wrap the heroin in um, lotto tickets. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's usually how you yeah. buy it and sell it. Mm-hmm. It's in a lottery. I don't know anything about it? Yeah. So. Yeah. But um, and then and then we decided oh let's make a short film you know and then so we kind of yeah. wrote a version of of the, of the feature but kind of condensed it and kind of a proof of concept that. film yep and mm-hmm. then uh and then it was still called millionaires club for a while and then one day we were just hanging out and talking and then mm-hmm. we just came up with the new name. yeah i think we were saying something there's a line in the film where nate says something, something like if changes. nothing changes yeah yeah and and i'm and if nothing changes, nothing changes. Right. Right. So um, the main character at that point in the film Did is you like, say no. nothing changes, then nothing changes. Yeah. Yeah. I like mm-hmm. that. 
Yeah. No, so the, the main character at that point in the film is like something drastic has to change or has nothing change. will change ever. Yeah. So um, because in the shorter version, we never see the trap house. We never see the drugs wrapped in lotto tickets. I think Dan was a little like, maybe we shouldn't have that title because people won't really they see won't where it relates sense. anymore. Yeah. Right. Um, right. So then we were kind of on the hunt for a new name. It's we were just watching yeah, that in the line of dialogue and, oh, if nothing changes, perfect. Yeah. You know, and I think that's where that, yeah. that just, was born. Just magic happened. You know? <laughs> when we get together, we're together, magic, magical <laughs> writing, awesome stuff. Yeah. Well, I love that. And I love that the writer and the actor, and I, I don't know what else to call you, Dan, because I mean, it was your creation, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. The executive producer, yeah. the creative director. So when you're saying directing and producer, that's actually doing the film, but, but the thought of it and, mm -hmm. and, and all that, what do you call that? If, if you're not, I mean, a lot of people start out by like writing journals, you know, because this is kind of a self, self-care, self-love type of movie or film. Mm. You know what I'm like, it, it will be, it will be. It's, uh, it's, it's still in the trenches at this point. Right. Kind of right. Yeah. But I'm that saying that's, that's mm -hmm. kind of what it's geared towards. Yeah. yeah. Um, so... Usually when somebody does something like that, it's like they start out by maybe they're in a 12-step program or, the, or they're in therapy and the therapist is saying, so, you know, when you get feeling like this, you start writing your thoughts, you know what I'm saying? And that's how a lot of these books have, have become books uh -huh. or started, started and then became, you know, novels. Uh -huh. So that's why I was wondering, like, I had the ideas but you just talked you've never wrote yeah. anything well I, well I mean I took we talked and I took a bunch of notes and yeah. Dan's a lot of stuff yeah I kind of you know I know a couple of people that are on doing you know addicted to heroin so I kind of actually hung out with them for a little while just kind of um kind of built character like type behaviors and stuff like that with them um but you're not using any of those characters in the film no, no, not really. Um, just the behaviors. I, I, I mean, I, I just kind of, you know, learned their state of mind a little bit better and things like that. Actually, there's a friend that I uh, knew before they were before they done it, and um, you know, sad, sad, but he, he's actually when I when I met him to, uh, you know, after spending years, and I met him to you know talk about it, and he was in you know downtown Detroit with a sign. You know, trying to get money for heroin. So it happened to him. It happened to him. And, yeah. um, you know. Yeah. So, and, and he's he's yeah. working on getting better. And uh, so, you know, I'm keeping, you know, I got to keep tabs and, you know, just try to help out and just, you know, but you also, you can't enable people. So, um, you know, they, they have to do it themselves. You know, they have to, uh, they have to fix it themselves. They got to, mm -hmm. they got to make the choices. Mm -hmm. um you know so out of curiosity by sitting and and talking and being around this person did it make you like not want to do this anymore like never want to do that get um, yourself in that position well i never wanted to be in that position <laughs> <laughs> well i'm saying did it make you, you not never ever want to like that 
Well, I was not, never... Like, not ever want to get a position like that. Um, yeah, That's yeah. what we're hoping the film's going to do, is like make yeah. people not want to do these things. Oh, no, that's the whole point of the film, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. I just wondered, like, while you're sitting there listening, I, I mean, I can... I, I've sat and listened to many people, and, and I can't even imagine being in that situation and so like to me it's like a like no-brainer when i'm when i'm watching them live this kind of life or going through this stuff and i'm going what is so powerful that that's what they fall into i i mean it's hard for me it's, because it's our family not- usually family things um parents and stuff like that usually the it's usually the parents fault <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not but like it, i mean it it, it it can definitely be a big factor like a big influence i think that that can work in a couple of different ways like physiologically it can be genetic you know the propensity absolutely toward, toward there's, there's proven facts of genetics right um, so there's just addiction behavior period yeah. of and addiction way, behavior period quote unquote is the parents fault in that way but also <laughs> i think when yeah. people fall into addiction like that a lot of times kind of to play to what you're saying dan is it comes from something really emotional or traumatic traumatic in their lives and yeah. um it just kind of grows and they never address it and it just you know turns into turns into addiction it doesn't always happen that way it's a lifestyle too. but yeah you know, and, uh, so yeah so recently i interviewed a a black person that didn't even know that this is what triggered stuff but he he you know started remembering all that pain and the only thing that he had to get rid of that pain was he was offered some drugs sure that was yeah. so that was his gateway mm-hmm. okay yeah. um and then he got better um, he started hanging around people that were in, in different and better situations. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he wanted to be in those better situations mm-hmm. and, and he knew, and he knew that. So he knew that he had to quit doing what he was doing to be in a better situation. But then he ended up in foster homes cause they caught him. He was too young to be out on his own. So he mm-hmm. ended up in, like, I think he said six foster homes um, before he was finally adopted. And he was 13 by the time he was adopted, which is unusual because usually by that age, somebody doesn't. And it was by a white family. Uh-huh. And he said that was really kind of traumatic for him because in where he lived um, and his parents or his family members all were against whites mm-hmm. you know, and thought white people were were bad and yeah. so it was kind of scary for him to go into a white family but that they actually saved him yeah. and were, were very good to him um and then found out what happened to him and got him into counseling sure. so he and he really 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 recommends counseling like to everybody yeah. which I do too even people that don't have traumatic events or drug problems or whatever I think like yeah. I, I have somebody that I talk to once a month yeah just somebody that you know it's just about whatever sure you know but not somebody close to me so they're you know gonna like take my side or something I want somebody that's yep. non-biased but I'm hoping that that's what your show's gonna 
your film is going to relate is that you stay out of that environment or the people well, that it's about it's going to be about growth you know it's about learning the lesson and finding and realizing that you have these flaws okay and that and that Good. it's a, a it's a it's not just a straight trajectory you know you can you can make mistakes you can fall you can get back up again you can mm-hmm. be human and it's permission to be human yeah. um and i you think can mess up yeah i think we and do hopefully that they're not alone that other yeah. people go through that yeah mm-hmm. and i think we do show a little bit of what you were saying as far as um you know the trauma I think it's important to remember that not all trauma is that severe that can trigger um, because you have severe. Now I have a foster daughter. I'm not going to talk. I I don't want to breach privacy, but you know, I would say she has more trauma than, you know, and obviously my adopted daughter has major trauma from losing her mom, but I think there, some people fall to addiction who their trauma isn't as obvious. Like maybe they had, it's kind of funny that you said you can always blame the parents, but um, some people fall to addiction because maybe they just never felt good enough. Like their parents never made them feel like they were ever going to be good enough for them. Like they were ever worth anything. Um, And And sometimes we just put that on ourselves though, too. Something might in your childhood might be the source. If you really dig down to why you become an addict, but then again, you can't, use that as a crutch you have to take personal responsibility right right. at some point so i'm not so that's why we called it that's why we called a gateway they just like it and then they just fall into the lifestyle and they're exactly that's where that addiction gene kicks in if you have a lack of purpose then right that's that comes that's that that is that yeah so you don't need trauma just something Mm -hmm. something so one of the drugs that i've understood from so many interviews is cocaine Mm -hmm. and that that is not anybody that started from a trauma or Mm -hmm. child anything childhood it Mm -hmm. was that they were they were with a group of friends one time and decided to try it and that's a physical thing yeah it's a stimulant yeah Yeah. opiates is a disassociative yeah right you escape reality with that, but with the cocaine, you kind of like you're just kind of like oh, oh, right. whatever, and right. then you can get to, to that thinking, yeah. you know. Yeah. Well, I know yeah. when they told me about it, I said, "Okay, well, I guess I won't ever try that because I, you know, they're, they're <laughs> like seriously, you just want to feel like that forever." Mm-hmm. And it, and when I talked to the scientist about it, he said it's definitely one of those drugs that obviously you can overdose on it and it can kill you. But he said the, um, like you can get off of it and not have other drugs to help you get off of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it's more of a mind alternating than a physical mm-hmm. alternating, like, like the opiates and stuff. A lot of people use that for pain to take away pain, physical pain. That's how yeah. it starts. You know, it could, right. could start. That's how yeah. a lot of people that, you know, like are in accidents or break things or whatever, mm-hmm. and they have so much pain become addicted, right? Yeah. From a yeah. medically subscribed, prescribed drug. Mm-hmm. That's how a lot of them start. That's not a parent thing. That's not, you know, trauma right. per se. Per Absolutely. Se. You're very right um, about that. So there's all different kinds of ways that it can happen. But yeah. that that what my point was was he was saying that cocaine is probably one of the the biggest ones that 
don't have anything to do with covering up pain. You have to. It just, if you do it one time and it's just for fun, you just feel so good that you want more. It's, right. it's a mind thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So have you talked to anybody that said that? Yeah. They mean, mostly heroin? Oh, I, I, Coke's too expensive for, you know, anybody mm-hmm. that I know. Anybody <laughs> that you know? <laughs> so, yeah. Well, but see, the ones I talked to would steal to get it. I mean, once they tried uh-huh. it the one time, which was a little bit, and they liked it so much, they would do anything to get, I mean, they're, they're yeah. in prison. They're, they kill people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my husband had a friend growing up that um, was very, very successful as an adult and married and kids and everything. And he lost everything because of a cocaine addiction. Cocaine. It went through hundreds of thousands of dollars within the course of a couple of months, lost his wife, lost his kids um, because it was his somehow he got involved with the party or you know tried it and it just he couldn't stop and he just yeah. became that high and so it it definitely is a different type of demographic or a different it's a different yeah right. like you said different type of drug um mm-hmm. and so our characters were heroin in the movie yeah. okay. um so we're focusing more on yeah there's i think like thirty five thousand yeah. people died from meth and like 2021 mm-hmm. but like almost a hundred thousand died from like opiates i i think I, yeah opiates were number one yes and i'm like okay well i don't know all the opiates but i'm learning <laughs> yeah. yeah i think that as the series progresses correct me if i'm wrong dan we'll meet people from um their na group yep. and we'll be able to explore some of the other addictions yep. through these Good. other characters yep. so i think that's probably part of the reason that mm-hmm. dm wanted to open it up to a series is to just be able to um yeah alcohol do a deeper dive everything, crack whatever mm-hmm. so you know i think the most important thing is to yeah keep that sense of progress that sense of being able to overcome an addiction but also keeping a very very human aspect to it like mm-hmm. you don't have to it doesn't have to be this perfect road yeah and and nobody gets and not everybody everybody has their own road to recovery yeah everything there's no wrong way to do it as long as you do Mm -hmm. it yep yeah so i want to tell different ways and different stories of how people can how people get through it mm -hmm. how people you know make it through Mm -hmm. i think that's that's great and i wish you guys so much success in it thank you i can't i can't wait to to see the first one yay so well, congratulations. Um, I'll really say congratulations. Maybe I'll be able to bring you back on after it's come out and yeah. we can see how it's doing and where you're progressing from there. Great. Yeah. yeah they should be able to so, follow the progress on the Instagram. Yeah. Right. Okay. So would you, and so that's my final question then, mm-hmm. would you guys like to share where um, people can follow you if that's uh, what you want, or do you want to stay out of the social media? Um, well, we're instagram uh so Individually? They, yeah yeah there's, the movie the movie yeah there's a film page on instagram called if nothing changes movie right and there's also a facebook page called if nothing changes okay um, and i'm gonna make a youtube for it next mm-hmm. called if nothing changes movie okay. <laughs> or okay. look up if nothing changes movie uh and you should be able to find it, at least yeah. something on instagram or mm-hmm. somewhere Check it out on IMDb. Uh, we have a we have a trailer up there. We have a couple of teasers, so photos. Is it 
Is it already on IMBD? Yeah. Yep, it's on yeah. IM, IMDB. Yeah. Um, but I, I said that right, didn't I? IMDB. Yeah. International Movie Database, IMDB. If nothing changes, and then the production status will change to released when it's out somewhere. Obviously, it'll show where it's at. Um, and then I'm sure they could follow you individually. Oh, uh, yeah. And then you can follow me, uh, Dan Carey, actor on Instagram. Um, and then Melinda. Yeah. yeah, it's just Melinda. I think it's Melinda underscore Bryce on Instagram. Mm hmm okay all right well thank you so much for coming on i really 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 like talking to you guys thank I, you for having nice to meet I'm, you you're so welcome i wish you luck i i just think this is going to really really help people and that's what we're all about right yeah absolutely yeah, thank smart. you so much and for the work that you're doing as yeah. well thank you well thank you so much too yeah there's i think like thirty five thousand. Yeah people died from meth in like 2021 mm -hmm. but like almost a hundred thousand died from like opiates i i Fentanyl think I, yeah opiates were number one yeah there's i think like thirty five thousand yeah. people died from meth in like 2021 mm -hmm. but like almost a hundred thousand died from like opiates i i Fentanyl think I, yeah opiates were number one and that's another wrap you know, it just amazes me every time I have somebody new on, I just feel so blessed that I am able to do this and reach out to so many people with all of the life struggles. Please help us by supporting us by taking this episode and all the other episodes that you've listened to, rate us, share it as much as possible to any and everybody that you know of that it could in some way help because that's what Life Struggles Podcast is all about, helping others with their life struggles. See you next time.